one 9646 the number to get a hold of Savannah anytime. Injurycalculator.ca is what you want to use. You want to find out what the pain and suffering component of a claim should be. We'll talk about that as well. Fightformyltd.com and mydisabilityquestions.com a little later in the show. We always kick off, though, lots of cases, emails, and stuff to get through uh, this morning, my friend. But uh, the week that was is how we start. What's going on? All right, let's start from two questions that were posted on one of our websites, yep. mydisabilityquestions.com, which, as you know, and many of our listeners know is a free website. If you are an LTD or uh, you've been cut off long-term disability or have questions about long-term disability in general or even short-term disability, you can go on our website, mydisabilityquestions.com, post your question, and I will answer it within minutes for free. So here we have a question that was posted by Darlene from Trenton, and here's what the question says. My husband was accepted for CPP disability a week ago and also applied for LTD, long-term disability, through his workplace, mm-hmm. received a call from LTD this week denying his claim, quoting not enough medical evidence. The LTD claim was filed September 2017, so it took them seven months. Same medical information went to CPP and he was approved. What are his chances with an appeal? Thanks. Uh-huh. We know All right, that so already. Let's, let's unpack this. This, yeah. is, this is a fascinating uh, question. Why? Because we often talk about not just long-term disability, but also about CPP disability because most people who are on LTD often apply and need to apply and should apply sure. for CPP disability. Now, the tests for qualifying for CPP disability is different. It's comparable, but it's different than the test for LTD. To get long-term disability, you have to show within the first two years that you're unable to do your job because of your disability. Beyond the two years, the question becomes, can you do any job for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience? Right. In contrast, for CPP disability, you have to show that you have a severe and prolonged disability. Those are the two words, severe and prolonged. And many applicants who apply for CPP disability get denied, and then they try to appeal that decision, and many end up getting approved. Now, the interesting thing in this case is that CPP disability approved uh, Darlene's husband's claim, and on the basis of the same medical documents, the insurance company that's supposed to be providing LTD, this private insurer, denies the claim for insufficient medical documents. CPP disability is through the government. LTD, in contrast, is a private insurer. Some would say CPP is more difficult. Yeah, right? some would, would say that. that. It, it depends right. on who you talk to. If right. you talk to LTD insurers, again, it, and, and their lawyers, it depends on who yeah. you speak with. But, you know, there's arguments both ways. But the highlight here is that CPP disability accepted him and LTD did not. Right. I can tell you without any shred of a doubt that if CPP accepted him, he likely has a strong case for LTD. And, of course, she ends the question by saying, what are his chances with an appeal? And you know my view about appeals, John. We've talked about this quite a lot. Don't bother. You do not, or you should not, in my opinion, appeal LTD decisions. They are detours. You are appealing to the exact same people who cut you off in the first place. The power remains in their hands. It's going to frustrate you. Many people end up not listening to me and not just trying uh, appealing once. They try appealing twice, three times. And in the meantime, the clock keeps uh, keeps, uh, uh, ticking. Because if you get beyond the two-year mark, from the time you were first denied, you potentially could be extinguishing your right to actually start a legal claim against the insurer in the first place. And it does not reset when you appeal. Just it does in, not yeah. reset, exactly. Still going. So if today you were denied your long-term disability claim or you were cut off, if you wait two years from today, so two years plus a day, you are potentially closing yep. the door on your ability to legally make a claim 
for for the LTD payments. So my advice for Darlene is very simple. Contact me, let my team and I take a look at all the documentation. Again, just by virtue of the fact that she was accepted, that he was accepted into CPP disability, I think he's likely going to have a good claim for LTD. Yeah. And I'd like to understand, I'd like to review the, the denial letter from the LTD insurer, but I can tell you we're probably going to be able to resolve this fairly quickly. Incidentally, it's possible the LTD insurer is not even aware that he's currently receiving CPP disability. Right. It's possible that with a single letter from us outlining that and outlining the consequences of us getting involved in starting a full-blown claim, that they will back down, they will immediately approve his claim for LTD, and that's it. And then they're not going to have any more issues. So again, such an important question that she posed here, and I guarantee you, John, there are a lot of other people in that position. You want to get a hold of Savannah's team anytime simple, one 990 and help at the What else we got going on? Okay, so here's another question. that This one came from Dan in Ottawa. Again, this was posted on mydisabilityquestions.com. Here's the question. I'm in a position where I've been on short-term disability for six months, awaiting a decision from LTD. My doctor supports my need to be off work full-time, as well as my psychologist. I've been denied once from, and then he gives the name of the insurance company, mm-hmm. and mounted an appeal. That's Those are the words. My question is this. I have to support my family, dot, 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 full stop. If I'm forced back, I'll need to take highly addictive drugs just to cope anxiety, panic, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. I'll ask my doctor to send me back with accommodations to work part-time, but how will this affect taking them to court if I've basically told my doctor that I'm well enough to go back, even though I'm not well enough, just so I can feed my family? Won't the insurance company say, your doctor said you can go back? Well, it's a hard situation. It's a very hard situation, and you know, Let's go back to what he said at the beginning here, which is he tried to appeal the initial denial. That was the mistake, and that's the problem. People who are on LTD or applying to LTD apply because they're having difficulty working, but they still need the money. You still need the money to to feed your children, to send them to their activities, to pay for whatever school supplies, to pay the mortgage. So doing this appeal and and, getting frustrated by this and only months and months later contacting me, oftentimes that's very that's too late. And so that's why people end up biting the bullet and against medical advice, in fact, they persuade their doctors to write them a note saying that they're yeah. good to go back, but yeah, he's right. He's shooting himself in the foot because what's going to happen if he goes back to work, gets addicted to those drugs, not able at some point to continue working. In fact, he may end up losing his job, so he's going to have an employment issue that we're mm-hmm. going to have to deal with. And all for what? Only to end up in the exact same position that he was before, except that this time he would have made the case for the insurance company because now they're going to look through the records. They're going to say, oh, your doctor cleared you, ba- cleared you to go back yeah, to work. Yeah, you're good to go. So, you know, don't get into that situation. If, if you have any questions about LTD, if you have any concerns about your claim, or if the insurance company is taking eons to give you an answer as to whether or not you've been accepted, more than just a few weeks since you've applied, you know, in this case, you know, months, six mm-hmm. months he's been waiting, contact us. Let us let us handle the claim for you. Because you know, as soon as we get involved, your contact with the insurance company now goes down to a zero. You're no longer dealing with them. Right. We are dealing with them and they can't ignore us because we have the threat of illegal action. And once we put that threat forward, trust me, they always come back and they always try to resolve that kind of a claim. They're not interested in a legal battle. one 990 is that number. Email is help 
at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get a bunch of emails and uh, other things as well. Stick around. Lots more insurance and injury law show is on the way. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1-888-990-9646 is that number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Joanna writes in, says, uh, my husband suffers from severe depression and fibromyalgia. He's been denied long-term disability because of uh, the doctors he saw two years ago said that he was able to go to work, but since then he's been seeing a psychiatrist and a pain specialist, both who say that he absolutely cannot work. What do we do? Well, Joanna, this is unfortunately not uncommon. Uh, and, and, you know, what I mean by that is that, you know, when people are ill or they are suffering from a disability, they often go to different specialists, different doctors, and you get different opinions. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that because, you know, doctors see you in different capacities. And by the way, you can have a pain doctor, you can have an orthopedic specialist, a neurologist, different people are assessing you for different, you know, for different things. So it's not unusual, for example, if you have a psychological or psychiatric issue for you to go to a pain specialist and the pain specialist says, you know, from my standpoint, you should be able to go back to work. Mm-hmm. But yet the psychiatrist says, no, you should not because you're having issues which are right. psychological. So it's not unusual. And what's happening in this case is that the LTD insurer is cherry picking on which records they want to rely for the denial. They're not looking holistically uh, in, in, in terms of assessing the claim. Sure. They're not looking at all the medical documents to try and assess you know, the full capabilities of this individual. Now, I don't know what the insurance company was given, right? If the insurance company wasn't given all of the information, all of the documentation that they need to make a proper assessment, then maybe they're not wrong here. Maybe it's just that they're making a decision based on what they have. Unfortunately, in the majority of cases that I've been involved in, I can tell you that insurance companies often do cherry pick the notations in the records that they want to rely on. Right. And, and, you know, as soon as we get involved and we make that clear that that's inappropriate, and as soon as we come in full force with a legal claim, really outlining the full scope and context of our client's medical history and, and how that's supported by the various people who are treating them right now, that they can't work, insurance companies back off. And I'll tell you this, John, the times where they haven't backed off, they've paid for that dearly down the road. So again, I want to make it clear. I don't have all of the information here for Joanna's husband. I have it in the file. But the fact that they've denied his claim on the basis of what a doctor said two years ago and the fact that he has a pain specialist and a psychiatrist now who are saying that now he's unable to go back to work, you know, there is, there is something wrong here. Clearly, there is something wrong, which is why she's contacting us. So what I would tell Joanna or anyone else in that situation, don't back down. Don't assume that just because the insurance company is taking the position, the unreasonable position, that because what a doctor said two years ago uh, that he's unable to work, that they're focusing their denial on that, don't assume that you have no recourse. You do have recourse. And we often see that and we often fight back against the insurance company and they come to the table and they negotiate because they understand that at that point, once we are retained, they can simply hide behind this ludicrous excuse of, of you know, denying a legitimate claim. one 9646 is that contact. If you haven't checked it out yet, injurycalculator.ca. Find out what the pain and suffering component of a claim should be. We'll talk about that in depth in just a little bit. You know, you mentioned the first segment that uh, not only on LT and disability, you might have an employment problem as well. Possibly you've been let go. You're on severance. Does that severance get deducted from your LTD payments? It could. Okay. It could. So, so here's what I mean by that. Remember that we do employment law as well as disability yep. law at the firm. And what often happens is that someone who's disabled has difficulties at work. 
and that oftentimes leads to a termination. Now, as Lior Samfira, my partner, will will tell you and has uh, you know spoken about this on the employment hour. If you are disabled and then you are let go from your job, well, that's illegal. Not only are you entitled to severance, but potentially you have a recourse through the human rights tribunal. You, you're entitled to human rights damages. So imagine a situation where you are let go while you are disabled on LTD, and imagine that you're owed ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand, thirty, whatever the amount is for severance. Right. But because you were uh, let go while you're in disability, you are entitled to those human rights damages. Now. Uh-huh. LTD right. policies of insurance uh, usually contain provisions that say that if uh, you are let go and you receive severance, you know we can deduct that from whatever it is we owe you. So if the LTD insurer pays you five grand a month and you got ten thousand dollars in severance, they're going to tell you, well, we're not going to pay you for the next two months. You're not double dipping. Exactly, you're not right. double dipping. But what happens if part of your settlement is human rights damages? Right. Let's say you're getting severance of ten thousand dollars, but you're also getting human rights damages of another ten thousand dollars because you know they let you go while you, while you were disabled. Yeah. The insurance company is not allowed to deduct the human rights damages. So oftentimes, what happens in these cases are disability lawyers work hand in hand with the employment lawyers to make sure that when they are negotiating uh, whatever the damages are from the employer, that as much as possible is characterized or or, or is is allocated to human rights damages. They're not doing anything illegal here, okay? All they're doing is, they're, they're, you know, you're still going to get the same amount of money, presumably, this as the person who's going to go. Exactly, right. but the insurance company yeah. can't uh, get their hands on the human rights damages aspect of your claim. So the net effect here is that there's more, more money in your pocket at the end of the day. That's why I say that it's so crucial if you have an LTD claim or even an employment claim, but there's a disability component to it, you got to come to us because our lawyers do both areas of the practice. That means that you don't have to get two lawyers from two different firms who don't communicate. Here, our offices are side by side, so we talk about these claims amongst ourselves to try and maximize the amount of money that we can put in our client's pocket. Injurycalculator.ca, before we break, give me some details about it. So that's an online tool that we created a few years ago, and it allows you to calculate literally within seconds how much money you could potentially be uh, looking at in terms of what you're owed for your pain and suffering. So if you've been in a car accident, if you've had a slip and fall, uh, you know, in the last two years, you've been injured through someone else's negligence. Someone else was responsible. Maybe they hit you with their car. Maybe they didn't clear out, you know, the parking lot, the sidewalk, whatever it is and you suffered an injury, be it you know an ankle fracture or a shoulder tear or a brain injury or whatever it is, right. you want to know without calling a lawyer, without contacting us, you just want to know what can I potentially be looking at in terms of compensation for my pain and suffering. Go to this tool, to this injury calculator, and what it is is it's a database of cases, legal cases across Canada where other people who have had injury like yours have gone the full way to court and judges have awarded the money for pain and suffering. So when you go to the calculator, for example, if John, if you had a hip fracture, as an example, or a shoulder tear, and you want to know how much is that worth, quote unquote, from a pain and suffering yeah. standpoint, you go to the calculator, you put in the information that you need to put in about your injury, and then the calculator goes through the database, picks out all the cases that are similar to yours, and tells you, here's the range. The range, yeah. Here's the range of what courts have traditionally awarded people in your situation with your injuries. But remember, it's only for pain and suffering. So if because of your injury, you're unable to work or you need, you know, you have medical expenses that you want to claim for, those are things above and beyond what the calculator can do. That's when you can actually click at the end for a consultation 
and the, and then you get in touch with me and my team and uh, you know we talk to you about your specific case and then we can give you the full gamut of compensation that we think that you can get but you don't have to do that if you don't want to if you just want to get an idea of what you can get for pain and suffering just go to the calculator and literally 10 20 seconds and you'll get an answer injurycalculator.ca is what it is phone number works as well one 990 back to more of your emails after a short break the insurance and injury law show global news radio 640 toronto it is 1-888-990-9646 help at the email don says uh I've been on long-term disability for almost a year and a half because of uh, bladder cancer. Recently, I've gotten better, but I'm not out of the woods, and I certainly am not ready to go back to work yet. Uh, My oncologist also thinks it's premature for me to come back, but my adjuster said that I'll be cut off in two months because I'm better. Can they do that? So the the answer is that, yeah, they can do that, Don, but the fact that you now have two months to deal with this and the fact that you didn't just bury your head in the sand – and assume that it's not going to happen until it actually did happen is fantastic. Why? Because we've had situations where people have contacted us, uh, you know, where where they were told in a few weeks or a few months they'd be cut off, and we were able to just get ahead of the, you know, the, 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 the cutoff date. We were able to contact the insurance company. In some situations, we were able to actually get the insurance company to back off that cutoff date. So we're actually able to get the insurance company to agree not to cut off the person until they got more medical documents. But you know what else? We've had situations where we've we've gotten involved before the cutoff date. We started a claim before the cutoff date, and we negotiated a resolution before the cutoff date with the insurance company. Remember, the key here is to make sure that our clients are not left without no money. Gap. Right? That's the key because, no. you know, the bank is not going to care that the LTD insurer cuts you off. They're still going to want their mortgage payment. And same goes for the utilities and everyone else. So you want to make sure that you're not in a position where you have to mount a fight against the insurance company. And in the meantime, there's no money coming in whatsoever. So, Don, you've done the right thing by contacting me. And by the way, the other thing I should say is, in situations like cancer or other types of ailments, you know, that we hear a lot about, I can tell you that insurance companies are more sensitive to that because they understand the optics. The optics yeah. of a person who's battling cancer, who now has to battle their insurance company, who was supposed to be their safety net. I can tell you insurance companies don't want to get these cases to court. They just don't. But they are playing chicken with you. They're assuming that by telling you they're going to cut you off, you're going to simply walk away figure out some other solution, and then they get to keep all the money that they actually are, you know, that, that, that they owe you. Yeah. And you've done the correct thing by calling it, calling them on that and, and contacting us, and now we're going to be able to help you. But again, for those of you out there, and again, I'm not saying you only have to contact us. There's other disability lawyers out there, uh, good ones. Just do your homework before you hire some, you know, someone else. But don't just walk away from money that is owed to you, okay? Insurance companies are in the business of making money, and one of the ways they make money is by cutting off people when they should not be cutting them off or denying legitimate claims when they should not be denied and that not having anybody challenge those wrong decisions. That's what I want to get across here. People need to start challenging these those decisions. Let's uh, keep talking about money for that matter. You know, you often talk about how it's not difficult to resolve these uh, LTD disputes. Now, when they're resolved, does your client generally get a check for lump sum payment or they get continued monthly payments? Are those taxable as well? Okay, so uh, with LTD cases, generally speaking, when you resolve these cases with insurance companies, yes, you usually resolve them on a lump sum basis, meaning that we look at what they're owed uh, until the time of settlement. So if you're, you know, if you were cut off LTD or denied a year ago, uh, six months ago, whatever it is, mm-hmm. we negotiate that amount, 
as well as some amount into the future. Okay. Now remember, not every case is the same. So in some cases, the insurance company offers to continue benefits, to reinstate the person, in which case the person ends up getting a lump sum for the retroactive amount, meaning right. if they cut you off six months ago and we just agreed that they were wrong in cutting you off, they're going to send you a check or they're going to deposit in your account okay. six months worth of payments and then they're going to just reinstate you and so you're going to get your payments Continuing. as you did before, continued yep. every month. But the vast majority of cases, you do get them as a lump sum uh, check, as a lump sum amount. Uh, and again, the other thing to remember is that as, as a client, you are involved in the process throughout the entire process. So, you know, it's not like at the end of the of the mediation or settlement conference, I come to you and say, hey, John, by the way, good news, here's what's happening. No, when we go and we talk with the insurance company, I do all the talking, but you are going to be right there to instruct me because I'm going to ask you for those instructions. That's another thing that's very important to understand. It's your case. I'm the lawyer, but it's your case. You are the one who dictates how we should proceed. Do you want to settle? Do you right. not? I'll give you my advice. I'll tell you what you should do, what I think you should do. I'll give you your options. I'll give you the menu of options. But you have to, at the end of the day, decide, you and your loved ones, how you want to proceed. And so when we get into a lump sum situation or a reinstatement where you're getting a retroactive amount and then monthly payments, you're going to be there because you're going to be there to make that decision with my help, and then you're going to instruct me. Now, you've asked if some of these payments are, are taxable. That's another yeah. good question. So generally speaking, you know, when we're dealing with LTD, um, it, it can go one of two ways. If, if your employer paid part of the premiums for your LTD coverage, or all of it for that matter, then the, the, the payments are going to be taxable. And for those of you out there who are, who are on LTD, uh, if you're in that situation, you know that you get, you know, you get tax taken off. But if you funded your LTD coverage by yourself, meaning you went out there and you paid 100% of the coverage, then the payments are not going to be taxable and any lump sum settlement is not going to be taxable. So again, if you have specific questions on, uh, you know, on, on, on the issue of, of the taxability of these payments, right. you can give me a call or email me. But generally speaking, if you paid 100% of your LTD coverage, that will not be taxable. The email, by the way, ask uh, any question for that matter, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. The phone number is one 990 And if you haven't tried it yet, even just for uh, for practice, see what the number would be, injurycalculator.ca. Find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim uh, should be. Very simple. takes about 30 seconds and anonymous right to the bottom, but there is a contact button if you want to get a hold of Savan at his team at that point. The Insurance and Injury Law Show rolls on here. Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 1-888-990-9646. The number. Email help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Sandra, next one up, says my brother was in a bad car accident a year ago and suffered broken ribs and a broken neck. We uh, we hired a lawyer, but I haven't heard anything from him since that time, and my brother has been on his own. Uh, to try to figure out what to do with insurance. We have trouble getting a hold of this lawyer and his assistant's not very helpful. What do we do? Is this normal? No. That's weak. Well, actually, hold on. It is normal, but it should not be normal. Right. Okay? And this is something that we get called, uh, you know, we, I get calls almost every week and emails from people who are asking me, is this normal? That's why they come to us for, for you know, consultations, even when they have lawyers. And I generally don't like to take on cases that you know other lawyers are handling for a variety of reasons. Yep. You know, not the least of which is that it always presents an 
you know, an added layer of complexity that somebody else, you know, has been trying to deal with the claim and God knows what they've done with the claim and I just don't want to have to deal with the mess afterwards. Yeah, someone's already scratching that tree. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, in a situation like this where you're dealing with a very severe injury, you can't get a hold of the lawyer. That is bad. It's not, it's not good. It's not good for a variety of reasons. The first reason is that you as the client, you need to know what's happening with your case. The lawyer should not be avoiding you. Certainly the assistant at the very least should be able to tell you what the status is, what's happening with the case. You know, what's the next step? And, and you know, the second issue here is that if your lawyer is not responding to you, that lawyer is most likely not responding to the insurance company. So there's going to be immense delays. And I've seen cases go on for years when they didn't have to, even as a defense lawyer, right? Remember, I used to work for insurance yep. companies in the past. I remember trying to get a hold of plaintiff lawyers, lawyers who were assisting injured individuals and not being able to get a hold of them. Even when my clients were telling me that they wanted to settle the cases, I would I would try and schedule settlement calls with plaintiff lawyers and not be able to get a hold of them. And when I finally got a hold of them, the, it would take them months to get back to me with their position. Insane, absolutely insane. So, you know, my, my response to Sandra is that your brother should be, you know, a lot more I guess I would say proactive with his lawyer and, and keep his lawyer on a tight leash. You know, lawyers are not gods, despite the fact that many of them think that they are. <laughs> They're just not. Don't let the lawyer just do whatever he or she wants. You have to get answers. You have to understand where you are in the process. You have to understand also not only where you are in the process, by, but why you are there. You know, I've had situations where lawyers have told individuals who called me, yeah, 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 the next step is going to be a year and a half away. Why? Why? Why is it a year and a half away? I understand, you know, everyone's busy, but nothing, nothing, you know, should should take a year and a half away. I mean, I, well, I, I should put that as a caveat. It, it depends on what happens. If you know, sometimes it's not up to the lawyer. Sometimes we're waiting for the court to tell us what to do. But generally speaking, at the outset of the case, which is what's happening here at the beginning of the case, a lot has to do with the lawyer and the law firm. And if the case is not moving quickly. A lot of times, it's because the lawyer and the law firm are simply not moving things quickly. And, and that's just wrong because this person who is injured is waiting for compensation. And oftentimes, not only are they waiting for compensation, they need this money in order to actually get better, to pay for treatments and things like that. So, you know, I, I'm Sandra, I'm happy to speak with you and your brother in, in greater detail off air. But, you know, don't just, you know not do anything. It's very, very important that your brother understands that he has to take charge of his case and, and hold his lawyer accountable. Just just seems weird. This is how lawyers make their living. I mean, it's like a taxi driver. I'm not picking up fares. Well, that's kind of how you make your money. I just well, don't understand why they don't bother. Don't make phone calls. Don't call their clients back. So I, I think I think it's you know it's human nature. I had a professor many years ago who who came to class one day. This is years ago. And and I remember him writing on on the on the board, uh, the problem with human nature is human nature. Yeah. And that's the issue, right? I mean, some people you know they're going to just respond to you almost instantaneously. Some people you know they're going to do a great job just because of how they've handled themselves up until that point. Unfortunately, with many lawyers, and it's not just you know lawyers who deal with car accidents. It's you know I've had lawyers who dealt with real estate that I've dealt with when I bought a house that was unresponsive, and that would make me so angry, you know. And and I remember even firing off an email to that lawyer saying, you know, if you think you're busy, let me just guarantee you that I'm ten times busier than you. But when a client sends me an email at 6 a.m. in the morning, they're going to get a response at 6.02. I'm not expecting you to do that, but I'm also not expecting to get a response five days later. No, it's just brutal. inappropriate. So yeah, that's just the way lawyers are. I can't really explain that, John. I, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, lawyers make a living off of this. So why not 
you know, they might be like that in other facets of their life. They just might be. It's just the way they are. Absolutely. And, you know, and I'll tell you, we, we've had problems with lawyers at our firm in the past and both Lior and I uh, take a very, very, um, you know, dim view of, of, of that kind of a behavior. And, and whenever we hear a client complain that there is an issue with responsiveness or explaining to the client where their claim is at or moving claims forward, that lawyer does not stay at our firm for a very long time. Well, yeah. Makes sense. That's right? how it should be, right? Yep. We'll take a, a short break and write in your emails some questions about the miss when it comes to uh, dealing with LTD claims as well. The number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through email anytime. Insurance and injury law show right here, Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number anytime. If you have questions uh, and don't want to call, don't want to leave a message, mydisabilityquestions.com is another resource for you. And there's also fightformyltd.com. Check both those out while we sit here and, and idly chat. So a uh, common myth that people should be mindful of when dealing with a long-term disability claim. There's lots of them. They are. I, yeah. I, I love myths, okay? <laughs> I mean, those are great because they're just so common. Uh, so let's just start with the first one. Here's what I hear often. If I'm denied or cut off LTD, there's nothing I can do. I am powerless. Mm. Now, I know people who've been listening to me for a long time are probably tired of me saying you have a lot more power than you think, but it's true. You have no idea how much power you have against your insurance company. You know, insurance companies have been around since, I don't know when, probably since the Stone Age, okay, in some form. I can tell you this. When an insurance company deals with an insured person that they are insuring and have to pay a claim right. to, they have a duty of good faith. And I'm not, I'm, this is not legal speak. I'm telling you that insurance company have been not just burned in the past by judges who have, you know, said you did not treat your client with good faith, but they've, they've been, they've been hit over the head so many times. They are scared of these kinds of claims. They're scared of an individual taking them to court and having a judge ream them out for two reasons. Number one, because they're going to have to be made to pay. And number two, they know it's going to make it to the papers. So they don't want that. And I've had that situation. Remember uh, last year I was dealing with a guy who was paralyzed from, from the, the oh, waist yeah. down. I can't talk about that claim in too much detail because we settled that claim. And, and you know, my client signed uh, confidentiality clauses there. Yep. But I can tell you insurance companies hate it when they get into the news, you know, for these kinds of stories. So what am I saying here? I'm saying that if you know, if you, if you have an LTD claim, a disability claim, and your doctors are saying you're disabled, and you know you're disabled, and your family knows you're disabled, and the insurance company simply says, no, nah, we don't think you're disabled. We're going to cut you off, or we're going to deny your claim. Trust me when I tell you that they are playing a game of chicken with you. They are assuming, correctly by the way, that the majority of people out there will walk away. They're going to walk away. And what does that mean? It means the insurance company is keeping all this money. So don't do that, okay? You have more power than you think you do. Insurance companies are not gods, just like lawyers are not gods. Right. They are held accountable under our laws. LTD Num- miss, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Number two, I don't need an insurance lawyer to help me with my LTD dispute. Wow. Well, listen, I mean, if that's what you're thinking, if that's your mindset because you hate lawyers, okay, then it is what it is. All I can tell you is that many people come to us after having been frustrated by the process repeatedly through these appeals that insurance companies invite you to do and then deny you over and over and over. Listen, if I need somebody to fix my basement, I'm not good with my hands. No kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get somebody who knows what they're doing. Same thing with my car. Yep. 
if I, if I have a medical issue, I'm going to go to a doctor. So if you have an issue with your insurance company, a legal issue, you probably should call us or a lawyer, any lawyer that deals with the subject area that you're dealing with. Number three, the insurer says that I have insufficient medical support for my claim, so I guess I'm out of luck. Right. No, we've seen that over and over and over. I don't even understand what that means, insufficient medical proof. If a doctor says you can't work and has provided details that explains why you can't work, that's proof. That's what it is. What else do you need? So, you know, if you're in that situation, again, don't assume that you simply have no claim. Give us a call. Let us let us evaluate the situation. And, and we will tell you if, if we need to get more information from your doctors. But don't simply walk away from your claim. Number four, I have to try to go back to work or else the insurance company will be right in denying or cutting me off LTD. Again, absolutely not. Listen, if you can go back to work or think that you can go back and your doctor clears you to go back, by all means, please go back to work. Mitigate. It's Mitigate. Good to do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. In fact, you have an obligation, a legal yep. obligation to do it. I'm not just saying it's legal. I actually think you have a moral obligation, an ethical sure. obligation to go back to work. You know, don't simply stay at home because you think it's the right thing to do if in fact you can go back to work. But also, in the same breath, I will tell you that if the insurance company is trying to force you to go back and you know you're not ready and your doctors are saying that you're not ready, don't simply give in. Because if you do that, the insurance company is going to turn around afterwards when you fail your return to work, right? Because if you're going to go, go there for a few days and then fail, other than the fact that you may actually make your employer very angry and potentially create employment issues for yourself, you're also going to be in a situation where the insurance company is going to say, well, wait a second, you went back to work because your doctor wrote you a note saying you're able to go back to work. So we don't believe the fact that you're unable to actually sustain that work. So again, be very careful with that. Number five, the last myth that I will talk about now, I can't hire an insurance lawyer to help me with my LTD claim because I don't have the money to pay the lawyer. That's yeah, a big one. It is a big one. Listen, I've I've had many people contact me who've told me, listen, I went to this lawyer and that lawyer wanted five grand uh, as, a, as a deposit or, or you know as a retainer. When you're dealing with LTD type claims or many personal injury claims for that matter, the majority of lawyers who know what they're doing will not charge you a cent. There are some exceptions like medical malpractice, but generally speaking, LTD claims, slip and fall claims, those kinds of claims, no, you will not need to pay anything up front. And if a lawyer is telling you you have to pay something up front for mm-hmm. these kinds of routine cases, it means that they don't, they don't know what they're doing. That's in my view. Again, subject to the exceptions. So no, you should not have to worry about paying anything up front until the case is concluded and until there is a settlement and until the insurance company actually sends a check. And then the fees are worked into that on the other side. You blah, got blah, blah. it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. one 9646 the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyers.ca. If you haven't tried yet, injurycalculator.ca as well. Find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim could be and should be. It takes just a couple minutes to go through that particular tool. It's completely online. And anonymous, return to your emails when we uh, take a short break and come back from that. Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Danny says, uh, my father has worked in the communications industry for over 25 years, but recently he started having significant issues with his voice and memory. The doctors are putting him through a ton of tests uh, to figure out the problem, and he applied to long-term disability but was denied. He can't work, and his doctors agree. Can you help, or do we need a diagnosis first before we can appeal? Ooh, appeal. I can, yeah, I can definitely help, Dan, and, and you know, thank you for reaching out because I've had cases like this before, quite a few actually, 
where the individual is suffering from some kind of an illness that is, is they can't diagnose or they can't just, you know, point their finger at something and, you know, the doctors and say, this is what it is. And, and generally speaking, we're dealing usually with some kind of a neurological disease or, or something that, you know, is, is affecting the brain. You know, I have to look at the actual LTD policy, but I can tell you that the majority of the ones that I've seen, in fact, all of them, all the ones that I've seen, don't require an actual diagnosis. It's not about, you know, putting a name to the illness. It's about, you know, from a symptom standpoint, is the person able to do their job or any job, depending on where you are in the LTD claim? Uh, Definitely, definitely, Dan, your father should not be appealing this decision because I can tell you that if they've denied them on the basis that there's no formal diagnosis that has been made, well, they're going to take that same position with, uh, you know, the appeal. So, you know, let me take a look at the policy. I want to also see the actual medical documentation that was provided to the insurance company. This could be one of those cases where we could potentially resolve the case with the insurance company without even a legal claim, depending on what happens with the adjuster. And generally, I would want to deal with somebody higher up, you know, in the company. And I would invite them to try and perhaps do a mediation or some kind of a settlement meeting before legal action is started. And, And I would say that to them because they understand by me saying that, that if they don't play ball... Well, then they're going to be looking at a legal claim. They're going to have to hire a lawyer. And insurance companies don't like hiring lawyers because for them to hire a lawyer means that they have to expend money. Even when you're dealing with in-house lawyers, right? A lot of these insurance companies have departments where they have lawyers Mm -hmm. working for them on these claims, but they still have to pay these lawyers salaries. They still have assistance, right? They're not interested in legal claims. That's not how they make money. That's how they lose money. So (sighs) my, my advice, Dan, is for us to speak off air I want to see the LTD policy, I want to see the denial letter, and I want to see the medical documentation that was provided. And then I can tell you, or or I can give you and your father the menu of options, and then you guys can decide how you want to proceed. I'm not so much concerned about the diagnosis here, though. I'm concerned more about the symptoms and the severity of those symptoms and how those are impacting his ability to work. You know, once you uh, once you make it through the filter and if you do get on LTD with an insured, from that day on, they are looking forward to the time when they cut you off, basically, after, you know, no matter how long it is, up to two years. What that's are some right. of the warning signs that's going to happen? So that's a good question. You're going to see warning signs. Very rarely do people, in hindsight, after they've been cut off or they've been told they're going to get cut off or denied, very rarely do they not look back and say, oh, you know what? I can see that coming. Now that I think of it, exactly. You know, it's almost like that movie, The Sixth Sense, right? You start seeing the clues along the way. Uh, So, you know, some of the things you can look at is uh, if the insurance company says to you, I'd like you to to go see one of our doctors. Well, that's already telling you that clearly they're not trusting what your doctors are saying. And generally speaking, when they send you to one of their doctors for an assessment, you have to go. That's usually a provision in the policy. But, you know, their doctors are on their payroll. So their doctors are, you know, quite often on their side. They're not giving objective opinions. But again, if you are in that situation, just, you know, be very careful. Be very careful on what you say to the doctor and, you know, what happens during that appointment. And make sure you get a copy of whatever report is generated by the insurance doctor. So that's one, you know, being told that you have to see one of their doctors. Number two, obviously being told or, you know, getting hints that you don't have enough documentation or medical support for your disability. The insurance company, the adjuster may not even tell you, you know, you don't have sufficient documentation. They might, you know, they might quiz you on, on well, have you seen any other doctors? Or, you know, you know, what about this other doctor that we see records of? You know, can we get their clinical they're notes fishing. and records? They're fishing, exactly. You're yeah. going to get that sense that they're fishing for documents. 
And that's because they are looking, again, to cherry-pick anything that they can from those records to allow them to take the position of, of denial. Uh, and another thing you should be watching out for is if the adjuster tells you that they want you to try a return to work program or right. meet with someone to talk about other occupations that you may be able to do, usually you see that towards the two-year mark, right? When the definition of the disability changes, yeah. exactly, from own occupation to any occupation, right? Again, if the insurance company is trying to get you to speak with or meet with one of their people, a, somebody who deals with you know vocational training and employability, yeah. it's usually because they're trying to get you off the system. Again, maybe they're right to do so, and maybe that's great that they're trying to help you to get back you know into the workforce. But just be cognizant of what they're trying to do. Ultimately, they're not there for your benefit. They're not there. Uh, you know, for your health. They're not doing these things. I mean, they're doing these things to help you. That's what the idea is. That's but, what you're paying but, for. But really, it's helping themselves, yep. right? Because if they can get you back into the workforce, then that means that they don't have to pay you. You know, and, and you know, the only other thing that I would say that really comes to mind that, you know, should be a warning sign to you is if the adjuster starts questioning your doctor's opinions. Because once that happens, once the, the, the adjuster says, well, I'd like to speak with your doctor directly or, you know, I'm having difficulty understanding what your doctor is saying. Right. Again, maybe maybe there's nothing really untoward there. Maybe there is nothing, you know, sinister about that. But generally speaking, when I've heard adjusters saying that, it's because they are questioning the legitimacy of the opinion that's being proffered by the doctor. So be careful about that. Nothing much you can do. You have to provide them the information uh, that they're asking for, but start documenting your interactions with the adjuster. Make sure that you send emails. Make sure that, you know, if anything seems to be out of the ordinary, uh, that, you know, you contact us and ask us questions about that. And we'll tell you, here's what you can do, you know, to potentially prevent them from doing X, Y, and Z to you. Or, you know, here's what you should watch out for. So, you know, there are many other warning signs. And, and, you know, if you think that there is a warning sign that I have an outline here and you want to talk to me about that or even ask me about that, send me a quick email, right? It's going to take you a few seconds and it's going to take me a few seconds to respond back. You know, there's no charge. There's nothing to it. But, you know, don't just sit idly by while the insurance company is gathering whatever they need to gather to cut you off. Done for another weekend. The uh, contact is simple. It's one 990 9646 Email is help at If you haven't tried it yet, give it a look. Give it a try. Injurycalculator.ca as well. We'll tell you what the pain and suffering component of any claim should be. Till next time, this has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.